0: I reckon we do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. You look sceptical, Nick.
1: I am, but I'm always sceptical about everything, so that's okay. We're good to go. (laughs) Hold on. I'll put my smart guy glasses. (laughs) I document in Revit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to In Detail, the... Uh, seriously, uh, fantastic podcast where we take you behind the scenes of creative business. You are here with me, Warwick Mahaley, and my good mates, uh, Kate Fitzgerald. Hey, and Mick Maloney.
1: Hey, best intro <laughs> ever. Well done, Warwick.
0: Great. Uh, I uh, specialize, and I'm not over because I'm not done. Sorry, because I'm just reminding our wonderful audience that we are hailing from. Uh, well, not not every corner of Australia, but I am uh, in Melbourne. Mick is in the rat, Ballarat, and Kate is in Perth, um, which brings us a very interesting um, set of comparisons, really, in the way we operate our business. Um, and this is Episode 4 of Season 2, um, brought to you by our good friends at Streamtime and architeam Team, our sponsors for this uh, lovely show. And today... We are going to do a dive into a topic that comes up insanely regularly in um, architecture circles, and that is all about documentation, how much it costs, and what tools we use and why. And we're going to have a good old uh, showdown because... Switch
1: off now, anybody who is not an architect, because you are about to enter...
0: The Twilight Zone. Oh, my God. That's
1: a world wow. world in, in talk. It's going to be really inside baseball.
2: There's quite a few interior designers who might be into this. But I guess I'm I'm into this discussion because we often, it's all about um, at the podcast talking about things uh, we wished we'd knew when we started our businesses and I think that all of us have admitted that we are still on a major learning curve as to yeah. how to not lose a heap of money during documentation. And I don't know if anyone else out there, dear listeners, is feeling this as well, but we're we are um, we're going to try and lay down some tracks to discuss that today.
0: Yeah. So, it
1: brings us to a really big picture sort of thing about documentation. I'm going to drive right in because... Yeah, go for it. I There's don't, no I don't think... <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think I lose money in documentation,
0: but then how would I know? How would you <laughs> know? <laughs> oh, can I uh, say, I meant to tell you, Kate, before, that Nick <laughs> sent me an email yesterday <laughs> or the other day.
2: Why was I sitting on Were Why are you leaving me out? He w- <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> we leave you out of most stuff, Kate. Sorry. Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> um, conferences, you know. Yeah, yeah, correct. She left herself out of that. Um, that's, that's it's funny. punishment. Yeah. And anyway, what's important is the line in the email that said I might have to, from Mick to me, saying I might have to start doing timesheets.
2: Oh, my God. Get out of here.
1: I, what I actually said, Warwick, was uh, I may dot, 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 brackets, swallows lump, close brackets, <laughs> <laughs> dot, 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 may time start keeping, keeping timesheets.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: stream time. You are on the way to getting another user. I can smell it. <laughs>
0: this the the, mm-hmm. well, yeah. the stench is in the air <laughs> of Mick falling on his sword and embracing timesheets. This
1: is but, the, you've got to be flexible you know if I, if I can you know have it demonstrated to me that this is the way to run my business then- we've only
2: given you like eight billion uh, minutes of podcasting talk. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. With which to convince you. Right.
0: It's actually true, dear listeners. We're, we're up to minute 8 billion right now. <laughs> um, so I like how we, we started by saying let's dive straight in and then we did the opposite of that and segued no, massively.
1: We're, we're not very good dive straight divers. No,
0: we're we're zigzagging right. divers. Yeah. But I can say, because I do keep timesheets, um, <laughs> that I ratify what Mick was saying, that we lose money on documentation. And we did some analysis that led to a blog article that I wrote um, a couple of years ago um, you wrote called. A blog article? I did. Huh. Um, it was one of, one of, one of eight billion. Yeah. Hmm. Um, looking at transitioning um, from CAD to BIM. And this, so this was written actually almost, um, well, yeah, we were recording this um, in June 2021, and I wrote it in July 2019. And one of the bits of analysis that we did was we discovered that the documentation phase was by far and away the worst for our business of all the phases. And that when we have, A, we blew our budgets on that phase by a massive factor far greater than any of our other um, other phases. And, two, that um, when we... I looked at some invoicing and found that there was an inverse correlation between how much documentation we were doing in a month and how um, profitable that month was. So that the months where we invoiced the least was the months when we were documenting.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because we were consuming so much time and not getting paid adequately for it because we were going over our allotted hours so badly. And so that was what sponsored, or not sponsored, so what prompted our transition to a BIM tool, and we are now on Archicad, um, to try and cut back on those hours. And how's it worked? Um, well, we're, well, we're only two years into that transition. And so far, um, empirically, it feels like it's working. But I can't give you the hard data because I reckon I need another couple of years before we get to the same level of proficiency as we were previously um and we're still in that transition you know our template's not yet you know 100% resolved so i we don't quite know but it feels like it's much better what are you guys using
1: um i'll go next i think because i'm still i'm in the i'm in the very small minority of practices that use layout, which is the sister program to SketchUp. And we've switched over a few years ago after two failed attempts to introduce Revit into the office. Um, and I was talking to a couple of uh, expert documenters, Matt Morse down in uh, Warrnambool and um, uh, another friend of ours um, who runs a private um, documentation assistance um, company. And um uh, they both we, we were sort of talking about the, the the problems we were having with Revit, and we we were sort of musing and saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could have something that had all of the simplicity and effectiveness of modeling in SketchUp? Um, and I know people who work in ArchiCAD and in Revit, but still do the bulk of their concept design modeling in. SketchUp and then start again in uh, in their documentation packages. Um, but we're thinking, you know, what wouldn't it be great to have that all of that power of SketchUp and then to be able to very simply translate whatever you've modelled into a uh, a quick documentation package. And it was already there. It already existed. It's just as clunky as hell um, to use. Um, and that's layout. So we, um, uh, we now model and use our concept model that we make in SketchUp uh, all the way through and we don't have to uh, lose that data that we create, um, and we cut it up and turn it into um, documentation with um, the assistance sometimes of a little bit of 2D uh, AutoCAD, but um, uh, most of the time uh, it's managed completely within SketchUp, all our joinery is done in uh, sorry in layout, and um, we really have found it to be, are uh, quite powerful and quite a good um, BIM package. Now, a lot of people would say that SketchUp and layout is not BIM, but that's not correct. It is in the sort of technical definition of what building information modelling is. Uh, it, it very much is a BIM package. Um, but it's very, very uh, small numbers of people who are doing it. So that leads you into other problems in terms of uh, staff and, and getting in... Um, mm-hmm other practices to, to work in your obscure little system. So I'm very keen to hear what you guys think about Revit and Archicad.
2: Can I, sorry, just jump in there and ask you what your rendering software is that you plug into it for your renders? Uh, we use uh, Lumion. And do you find those two work really well together from, a, I mean, obviously one of the spin-offs of doing things in 3D is that you get, you know, something that you can produce images of.
1: Yeah, they work hand in well, up. They're perfectly, they sort of live link and I think Revit does the same to Lumion. But um, what I've found is that if you do a very highly detailed model in SketchUp with a bunch of um, stuff that you've imported in you know, very high poly count models and that sort of thing, you can bog it down pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So we still need to have that balance between a model that's used for rendering and a model that's used for um, documentation. Okay. Um, So, yeah, you can quickly wind up with files in the hundreds of megabytes, um, which is, I think Revit's similar though, isn't it? Don't you have giant files in Revit?
0: Don't know. know. It's uncertain. But, Kate, you guys are on Revit, aren't you?
2: We are now. um, We – I well, I mean, when I started my practice um, in 2010, I just kind of launched in using the software that I could – that I'd picked up at university, basically. Uh, So I didn't actually – what was that? Develop fire firm just um, AutoCAD and SketchUp. And yep. I think I was rendering in Atlantis at the time when I was doing mm. rendering. I pretty quickly dropped off that as a sole practitioner because I found like I couldn't, you know, I did it for some projects, but n- not many. Um, and then over time, like I loved AutoCAD, still do. And think that it, it just, like the simplicity of designing with lines for me is awesome. But um, it is very difficult to grow um, a team and grow an efficient documentation practice using it. There's just too many things that crop up in the building that you can't see. Um, you don't have visibility yep. over it. Version
0: control is really hard, as is, you know, problem checking. Um yeah. I'd like to take us all a step back before we sort of dive into the particulars of our, the different software packages and talk about the why a little bit. Mm. And I, if I may relate this um, story of my old boss, Ian, who was probably one of the last of the generation of people who went through uni and learned how to hand document. Mm. Um, and... He was highly suspicious back when I was working, and this is now you know fifteen years ago. Um, of suspicious is not the right word, but skeptical of the benefits of CAD documentation. Forget BIM, just CAD uh, documentation. Yeah. And his uh, reasoning for that is something that has really stuck with me, and um, and that is is that he he I think accurately points out that when you're drawing by hand, you're drawing exactly what the builder sees. Mm. There is no translation the pen on the page is the pen that the builder sees so there's no point in you spending a million minutes zoomed in in autocad on a one-to-one detail because then when you print it out at one to 100 it's invisible and so the scale and how you communicate the elements of a building become really really evident and that what autocad and its other sort of cad related tools does is it teaches you to sort of switch off your brain a bit and not and, and abstract that relationship between the drawing and the builder. And I now, even though we are now on BIM, I have the concern that BIM does the same thing, but to the next level, that you now assume that the BIM model has your back and that if you've gone and updated the window in the floor plan, it has perfectly updated in elevation and section and detail and so on. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It might mean you've created another problem elsewhere in the model, and it requires incredible diligence, I think, on the behalf of the user um, to think in three dimensions. And I'm not, I'm not certain. You know, models allow us to do that and visualize it, but it's not a replacement for a really um, powerful three-dimensional thinker at the wheel. Mm-hmm.
1: No. What do you got? Thoughts? It, it just makes somebody who's a very good documenter even better, I think. I, th- I, th- I still think it's an art and it's a real, um, a really difficult thing to become very good at. Um, and it requires a lot of concentration when you're documenting, you need to get into that zone. Um, and I think that if you, yeah, as you said, if you're relying on the software to, to check for you, then that's never going to work because there's always a, a way of stuffing it up. But um, if it if you are still diligently going through it, and you know you've changed it in plan, then you go check the window schedule, and you go check the, your details or whatever it's linked to. Um, the 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 power there is that you're not having to redraw it if it's correct. Um, it's you're only really working out. You know, you're sort of monitoring for the error that the computer might create, that the, the the model might create.
2: Um, when so when we first took up Revit, I so I still can't use it, and I'm you know. Only 34. So I've already outdated myself in the practice at the age of 34, which is terrifying. Um, But to straddle this like enormous amount of IP in my mind and then have um, team members of Smith documenting in Revit and trying to do that process. We sort of lagged all of our details in AutoCAD so that I could keep because again, it's back to this thing again where I feel like we are quite a detail oriented and we have a like a thing that makes us Smith. Uh, And so how do you then translate all of that stuff into a program that isn't designed for an immense amount of detail? Like Revit just you don't model everything in Revit, otherwise, it costs an absolute fortune. And so, how did it like it was a challenge for us to pull across all of these incredible details that make us what we are, and at the same time, not not do the opposite of what we got Revit for, which is OTT everything and model it up, you know, in a ridiculous amount of detail. Um, and There's so, definitely an art
0: form to that. And, yeah. our, and we're similar that the worst ArchiCAD users in the office are Erica and I. Um, and I can make my way around it probably a bit better than Erica because I've spent some more time on it and have produced documentation in it. But I'm—I um, I was on it recently for a project, and I remembered how I, I was once again reminded of how quickly your your muscles, your your brain muscles atrophy. About you know the efficiency of the shortcuts and so on have disappeared. Um, but anyway, the um, the tool is, um, it it is an opportunity to do that still, I think. And we have not done it yet. This is the thing that we're building, the way of going Mm. and having all of those details built into a template, let's say, that you can roll out in an efficient way. And I think we Mm. never really did that with um, when we were working in 2D, that we just kind of said, I'll go look at this project or that project and go and pull them across, rather than going creating a really systematic centralized database of this is how we do. These are the two kickers, join yep. kickers we do. Don't worry, looking anywhere else, they're already there in the template.
2: Yeah, this is our skirting one. board detail for brick walls, plasterboard, you know, t- timber mm-hmm. frame, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, or if we're doing a door frame, this is a steel reveal, a timber reveal, a, you know, whatever it is. We actually have a matrix in AutoCAD where I've started to pull all of those things into, which is our first step of then having that stuff. In Revit, So we can actually put the DWG file into the Revit um, drawing, like layout if we need to. So we're not doing it twice at the moment to try and help us bridge over from CAD to
1: yeah. Revit. Yeah, we're, we're similar. We'll, we'll still take um, 2D AutoCAD details and we just sort of mush them together into our uh, final product. Mm-hmm. But you know, I still haven't come across a program that is as easy to use and as powerful as AutoCAD um, in terms of doing of producing lines on the page. It's incredible. In detail is generously supported by our friends at Streamtime, business management software for creatives. Kate and Warwick, you belong to this cult
0: uh, of (laughs) streamtimers. Tell us what it's like. Well. other than the ritualistic sacrifices, which are super fun, can I say. Um, for data nerds like me, um, I dig it. I dig the fact that I can see it all. I can see how long we've spent on any part of the project and I can compare it in so many different ways. Um, so I do like a regular deep dive, not during work hours, of course, On my during my time off. Because fun time. I, I do it for fun. Yeah.
2: Uh, and I am the opposite of a data nerd and I love it because it means I don't have to put things into spreadsheets and I can put them into fun little boxes that dangle around because it has an epically beautiful user-friendly interface.
1: Thanks, DreamTime.
2: Thanks, Dreamtime.
0: Can I jump back to the why for a second? Why do you guys think that we over-document? And when I say we, it's probably not just us three. It is the profession.
1: Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. That that feeds into an even bigger why I think is you know why, what is documentation, and why is it uh, something so hard for us to make money on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, why are we producing documentation? What What's your answer to that? If somebody says, actually, literally, was asked this today. Why Why do I have to do the documentation stage? When a client asks
0: that, we have a clear answer to that. It allows you to get a building permit, yep. price the job, i.e. tender it, and then build it. Yep. It's a set of Lego instructions for an incredibly complex Lego build. Yeah. It's the size of a house. Oh, wait a minute. It is a house. Expensive Lego kit
1: you've ever bought, apart from some of that Star Wars crap, which is really dear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that – is that an answer is that only part of an answer?
1: Well, I I think it's it's – the answer that's the, certainly the same answer we give. You know, you're really trying to work backwards from um, getting the building permit, and you know what it is you need to have uh, everything drawn. We need to have a dimension. We need to know how big everything is. We need to know how what material it is. So we use codes. We need to know how things go together. So we use details, and that usually satisfies the the sort of client as to why we produce documentation. But I, I think there's a really big, and you know, we touched on it just before we started recording. That I think there's this really um, interesting other side of why architects do documentation, um, in, in that I believe that we think that we're creating this, sorry, my mic, this, this sort of, um, this manual for, uh, the builder. And we want that to look as beautiful as possible, but, um, or, or, you know, or, or look very ordered and look like we know what we're doing, but I've kind of had this philosophical discussion with a few other documentation, um, focused people. And we've, we looked at the limitation of our software layer uh, in terms of producing hatches, for instance, it's shit at doing hatches. So we, um, we stopped using hatchets and we now use colored fills and our drawings look like they're done in crayon, but the colored fills respond, uh, represent different wall types, different uh, parts of the building, different materials. And What we found is a very positive reaction from builders who say it's much easier to follow these colour-coded drawings than it is to follow the standard architectural hatches that other companies use.
2: I, Oh, sorry. Can I chime in there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, gorgeous Sean Gorman, who we've often mentioned on this show, for many reasons, Um, and we'll plug him again, Um, but he actually uses Vectorworks to the point where it it is his most efficient documenter. Whoa, 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 wait a
0: second. Gorgeous Gorgeous Sean Sean Gorman is an
2: architect? yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I told
0: you. I he was a musician.
2: He was a interstellar wasn't... human being. I've mentioned this many times. I... You don't get a name like gorgeous Sean Gorman without having some serious hit in the bank, you know? Yeah, right. um, and so, yeah, of course, he's the world's most proficient documenter as well. Um, but basically his thing as well, and Vectorworks, I feel like operates a little bit like a cross between like InDesign and CAD, you know, yes. where like you're laying out wipeouts on top of each other. So you can, if you draw a rectangle, it like very clearly would lay over the top of another one without you having to draw a wipeout in it like you would in CAD. Well, AkiCAD
0: so, does the same thing.
2: Yeah. So if you're, yeah, if you're pulling, if you're drawing, um, like we were doing um, feasibility studies for medium density, for example, we can rip out a site plan of a, of a development in like 10 seconds flat. Um, he can, sorry. (laughs) He's the best. Um, and just, it's that, it's the same thing. We color code everything. So yellow is a good room. You can get the square meters of that straight away. You can get your deep soil area, your permeability, like all of these things, because this program layers colored boxes so well, and it is actually super efficient. So you know, I was, not was on 2D, Vectorworks 3D, but, years know.
0: ago, and I, I can second that it was it was a very graphic interface. Back then, I thought it was rubbish at producing accurate documentation, mm-hmm. but it was excellent at producing beautiful and easy to read town planning and sketch yep. design drawings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we're
2: rubbishing
1: out the, the program. So, I'm sure Vectorworks is a fine piece of software. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I have to you know, like the caveat is is that the last time I touched Vectorworks was in 2009. So Mm. I'm sure it has evolved substantially and I'm pretty sure it's now another BIM tool. It is, it is another BIM tool. um, And we were only ever using it in 2d back then. Um, So the, the why of why do we document, I think that um, is also around about that question of beauty. And I'm interested in like to dive into that further, because I do believe in an important, in the importance of a beautiful set of drawings and you off air, Mick mentioned the importance of messy drawings. Can you elaborate on that? Now, I didn't didn't say messy, but I said I don't. I'm pretty think. sure he said messy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to
1: rewind. I, I
2: don't know you've right your drawings. <laughs>
1: <though>. <laughs> I said I don't believe in in beautiful documentation, and that means that I don't see the value of documentation um, as a. Uh, as a in its of itself, I'm firmly of the belief that uh, drawings aren't architecture. Architecture is architecture. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is trying to create that architecture in the most clear way possible. And to do that, you may end up with a drawing that looks far more diagrammatic or far more, um, um, you know, basic than a than a very overly detailed. You know, for instance, sometimes I'll see um, we get a uh, like a junior documenter in the in the studio, and they'll come in with a A plan, and it'll have beautifully laid out notes all over the thing, and it'll look like, you know, this is a a stereotypical version of what a good architectural plan looks like. Um, And, or or a section, classic example, but then it'll have the same note saying, you know, structural. Concrete slab to the structural engineers detail written on it for. No. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and they'll and they'll have shown reinforcement in the slab, and I'll be like, okay, cool. Is that exactly the reinforcement that's supposed to go into that slab? Is that copied directly from the structural engineering
0: drawings? No, no, that's just indicative. Like, no, but, but even I, if yeah. it weren't, it's irrelevant because it's not something that has any impact on the architecturals, and Correct. it's something you should not repeat because it's in the engineering.
2: Exactly
0: it's in the engineering. Yeah. Like, we yeah. we show the structure in our superstructure, as well as like edge beams and things for concrete, yeah. um, because we need to understand wall thicknesses and whether or not, you know, the clearances around box cutters are working and things like that. Yeah. But we do have a very big caveat on our drawing saying the this stuff is only in here for coordination purposes, do not refer to the engineering because the engineering is a separate set of drawings.
2: Can I say on the pressure of the beauty of the document, I think a lot of that happens at university. And we've had this joke at Whispering Smith uh, many times about how the there's like whether or not you were a person at university who did your drawings and then put your drawing into Illustrator to make the line weights even more perfect to put them into <laughs> your presentation. <laughs> If you are one of those people, you need to stop doing that immediately because you will lose all your money. Um, but that's, Except that we,
0: like, I'm all right. Well, that's stupid. I mean, that's just like an arduous, it's waste
2: another of time. arduous waste of time. But yeah. but, the, but that isn't coming, like, the thought about how much time that takes isn't even mentioned. It's like, I would do this for five days because that's what everyone else does. Yeah, yeah, you know sure. what I mean. It's like a bunch of ducks just following each other off into the sunset of wasted time. Yeah, uh, when in actual fact, it's like looking at your documentation package and going, "Is this thing that we're doing?" for beauty or is it for purpose? And beauty can be purposeful. I'm not saying that. I'm in the middle, by the way, of these two, you know, messy and beautiful. Um, messy. Oh, I'm, I'm Beautifully not- messy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My clients are listening. I'm not the messy fucking documenter. I'm the, I'm the documenter that, that it's for the... Mick
2: m- Messy Melody.
1: <laughs> I don't... I don't waste my client's money on fucking oh beautiful drawings <laughs> i actually right. care about my client's budgets and i want to get the best bang for my buck by only drawing what is absolutely uh, i just, just go just,
2: to the wind blows. i'm on i'm on both sides of the fence so <laughs> just
0: just just can it m n m n um, Your comment before though about that i, I think that within the the spectrum of beauty, there are different interpretations of that. Yeah. And I 100% disagree, sorry, agree with your comment about the the sort of stupid note that is replicated 100 times across a drawing. Yeah. And um, my first, I have developed a list of uh, 10 rules for exceptional documentation. Oh, great. Run
2: us through those. And God,
0: number so one, that. which is by far and away, like the the sin that most young younger documenters would fall prey to, trying to chase that. What you I think accurately described, Mick as the sort of the holy grail of the uh, the attractive looking drawings is like an over annotated drawing mm. set and the number one rule is draw or write everything only once yeah yep. so for instance rule. on our drawings all that we never ever describe we well we basically every drawing is default devoid of notes that describe materials instead it's a little material code mm. And if that says BR1, you then go to the material schedule and BR1 is a face brick. Yep. And you know what? If we ended up changing that brick to cement sheet, we might actually leave the code. If the code was in enough places by the time you make that late decision to save some bucks and remove the brickwork and replace the cement sheet, it doesn't matter that BR1 obviously is brick. It just matters that BR1 means a certain thing in one place.
1: Uh, Except for the the person who may not be across all of that documentation who turns up to have a look at something and assumes, oh, I'm just here to screw in a tap. I know that BR1 must be brick because B and R start the word brick. So, therefore, it becomes confusing if they don't, if they're not all over the um, documentation, which is why we now switched over to cladding type. So, everything
0: is CT1, CT2, CT3. So
2: ah, that's the Sean Gorman method. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I don't like that method as much. So, rule number 10 <laughs> is. Um, <laughs>
1: Follow the rules, these are Warwick's rules, by the way. These no, are- no, no, no,
0: these are universal rules. rules. This is, <laughs>
1: <These> are- <laughs> I've got this image of Warwick with you know coming down from Mount Sinai with these <laughs> 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 the- <laughs>
0: the rules. To- I mean, 10 rules <laughs> if, um. There are only 10 rules, which actually now that you mention it is not a coincidence. And if someone would like to create a meme of me coming down from Mount Sinai with these rules written onto two tablets.
2: I think they'd be written in an Excel spreadsheet, to be honest. I'm just going to that. That would be
0: fine. That (laughs) would be fine. You will get a special mention on this show. Um, We may use it as the cover art for this episode. Correct. Rule number 10 is follow the rules, then don't. Um, And I think um, the... One of the things, so Erica and I have sort of different thinking methodologies. I'm a very systematic, like rules oriented person, and Erica is a very intuitive thinker. And one of the consequences of that is is that our documentation system is highly rule based. But then at the end, you then set back and go, does this thing make sense? Is this thing legible? And one of the and what I, Erica, which I agree with, would argue is the CT. The cladding type one, two, three, four, five is is it it loses out on legibility because by and large, 99 percent of the time, we're not swapping brick br one for a cement sheet. It is brick. And so it creates a level of like intimate legibility that actually aids a person who's coming on site and doesn't see the rest of the drawings and just is looking at where the tap goes. Mm. Cause they go, okay, I don't, I don't know what br one is. Oh, it's probably brick i'm okay and so we we try to make sure that all of our material codes have a um like a shorthand sense to them for that very reason that we break the that. rules around that like because i would probably have come from the point of going no let's just use cladding type one two three four five oh, yeah but the intuition of that is not as powerful as having i mean i bet you i could go through all of our material codes and you'd probably guess pretty close to what they all are like we
2: are on the same, tried to do it the other way and it was me that was let down. In, that I was the the problem because my mind is, I think Erica and I might be quite similar in this thing. I just could never, I can't, if it's a, there's a number in it, I can't associate it to the thing. So if you said um, cladding type one, I can't remember it. So I'd be going over the drawing being like, oh, was cladding type one again? I've got to go check that against the schedule. And I just go backwards and forwards like this. And I'm very cognizant that quite a few people are like this and so that legibility for me as a person who marks up the drawing is really really important like I need the little leader to go yeah BR yeah that is BR that's brick two, or you know and even if it's it's got BR in it suddenly I can understand it but if it was just you know cladding type one I'd have no chance
1: yeah and I
2: think that that's really
1: the rules here this is great
2: the psychology of the person or you know the um my, the way that person's mind works um, is really important here, and the way that your mind works, I think, as a director of a practice or a person doing the documentation, is critical too. So it's not like there's a one size fits all to be the most sufficient.
1: Yes. But are we all uh, ignoring the real reason that we produce documentation is not that we can sit back and go, "Oh, isn't this good?" We're irrelevant. It's the builder who's looking. Correct. To- So we really need to be talking to builders. And we've actually done a little bit of research. You'll be proud of me, Warwick, by actually talking to builders and researching and then bringing the conclusions back in our scientific method. But um, (laughs) talking to uh, a local builder, Hayden Bromley, who's a really good architectural builder up here, and um, uh, he was saying, now I'll do projects for you, I do projects for a couple of other architects in in the area, um, and you're all doing things differently, and it drives me insane. Mm. Um, that's something that I've I've found really interesting is that um, perhaps there's a, a dialogue that you need to start that we all should be establishing with our builders mm-hmm. uh, and with each other to almost to to take some of these uh, questions um, to the people who are interpreting these drawings and say okay do we all like using grid lines yeah uh, we we love using grid lines we dimension from the grid line only. Uh, from the grid line and don't ever cross the grid line with a dimension. Um, And we find that that's the most effective way of dimensioning in those sort of um, bulletproof way. But um, other practices won't use grid lines. Other practices will use dimensions that cross them. Um, And you can imagine if you're a builder swapping from one job to the next,
0: you'd be sitting there going, why can't they just get their shit together?
2: yeah. Yeah, except,
0: I mean, look, we're in a sort of obviously a much larger marketplace than Ballarat. And so it's impossible for us to create like a complete system that would cover off every architect and every builder. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I am I agree with you about, we should be understanding, and this is, goes back to my, you know, old boss's Ian's comments that we need to understand who is reading the drawings and make it legible for them. Mm-hmm. And so 80% of me agrees with that. The other 20% is I actually want us to look out for ourselves. And sometimes we'll do things that maybe peg back a little bit on legibility for the benefit of version control. Hmm. So for instance, in the drawings, we almost never refer to product names. So we would never say um uh color bond. C- bond. Um Pardon, on a Bosch oven or something like that? Yeah, because we'll, we'll call it cement sheet, or we'll call it even like you know we use grooved MDF panels a lot, which is an Easy Craft product. Mm-hmm. Um, we never refer to Easy Craft or Easy. It's in the in the um, schedule, but we never refer to them in the drawings. In the possibility that we change it later, and we might keep the same effective aesthetics or outcome or whatever that doesn't change the drawing requirement but change what we schedule and so that might make it harder for the builder who has to do a little bit of what Kate was just referring to going back and forth between the drawings and the schedules to go and remind themselves exactly what the product is because we've just gone and infuriatingly called it brick not which brick or mm. you know just cement sheet and not how thick it is because mm. we know that as soon as we put down this is a 9L 9 mil compressed fibre cement sheet, if it changes, you've got to bloody change the note 100 different times. Mm-hmm. So instead that information is only located in a single place, which is rule number one um, in the schedule mm-hmm. and ties in with rule number two, which I'm sure you're eager to learn. And yes. this is from another um, uh, old colleague of mine um, who I worked with when I was working for Ian at Perkins Architects. Um, rule number two is specify the what and the how Draw the where and the how much.
2: Hmm.
0: Yep. Um, and if you're sitting there putting a note like this is nine mil compressed fiber cement sheet on your drawing, you're saying what that is. Screw fixed to timber framing, you're now telling someone how to install it. It's not where it goes. It should go in the specification, i.e., mm. schedules and specs, mm. not in the drawings. The drawings are just telling you where things are going and how much of it is going there. Um, And I reckon those are really important rules to adhere to because they actually allow you to keep that version control in check so that if you ever have to make a change, A, you can do so efficiently, which saves us time, which goes back to the original point of this conversation, and B, it saves us on making mistakes of changing 49 out of the 50 notes and missing one. Yep.
2: Speaking of things we love here at In Detail, have I mentioned how much we love ArchiTeam, Guys?
1: We love it too and uh, I've got to say the uh, the online forum for me is the absolute um, best part of ArchiTeam. Team. I love uh, how people are, are contributing and uh, letting their guard down and, and it's a real insider's sort of uh, view on, uh, on what's happening in the architectural world.
0: I think that actually, can for me, it contributes to the overall role that Architeam has as this amazing incubator for small practice um, that allows small architecture businesses to emerge and grow and succeed. Thanks, Architeam.
2: Thanks, Architeam. Taking
0: this back to not just about doing it well, but doing it, doing documentation efficiently one of the things we have started to see with ARCHICAD is, has been very promising from that perspective. So we have changed a little bit the way we do the detail design phase and the documentation phase, where what we used to do was we would do DD first, where we were doing all our interiors and everything with our clients, and then we jump into documentation. Mm-hmm. And we kept on getting tripped up by this problem where we'd start documentation And our engineer, one of the first things they would say is, oh, you're going to need to run these columns in these places. And we'd go and, you know, map that over our plans and go, ah, shit, we can't use 90 mil studs in this wall because we need to put in 120 column or something. We have to fatten out the studs Mm. or we just have to do 140 mil stud for bracing reasons or whatever. And now our three metre long kitchen bench is 2.96 and all our joinery documentation had to be redocumented. Yeah, And so what we've now done is, is we've carved off what we sort of, we don't really have a proper name for it yet, but a, the base building gets documented first. We basically document model in ARCHICAD, the complete building shell, which resolves all of our structural layout, wall thicknesses, et cetera, and all of our roof drainage. They're the kind of the main things we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Then we go into our interiors and then we come back again to documentation. And so one of the really strong efficiencies we found is that in that DD phase, A, we're not making mistakes anymore about the length of things because we already know Mm -hmm. how big the rooms are exactly. And B, once we've documented our joinery, we used to have to like not re-document it from scratch, but we had to like do a full review to make sure everything fit properly because it's all in the one model. We get up to, you know, complete DD drawings and that drawing set is probably 80% of the way way to a complete documentation package Mm -hmm. for joinery, with the exception of details. There's no more work to do. It's already done. We add some extra dimensions and we detail it and put some detail bubbles in, and the joinery package is complete. It has seriously reduced the amount of time that we have to spend on the interiors, jumping back and forth between that client focused phase of detail design and the builder focused phase of documentation. It's been great.
1: This Does is the thing that a lot of people talk about in, in BIM that the stages, the traditional architectural stages of concept design, design development and documentation are getting compressed and shifted forward as you create a BIM model that is suitable, you know, in CD or DD, uh, that, that is being set up for documentation, that you have to do so much work in that front end that, um, you know, I've talked to people who say the DD doesn't exist anymore. Mm. They're just going from concept into documentation because that's the sort of model that they they create. Um, how do you... But does it like- exist for you guys? We have a different approach. So a lot of our, believe it or not, a lot of our DD stage... Um, uh, joinery documentation, sorry, joinery um, elevations are hand-drawn because our um, interior designer is extremely uh, good at producing a hand-drawn um, set for a, a house. Mostly, of our work is residential um, and we'll take a client through during DD using um, hand-drawn plans and elevations and there's a nice sort of amount of wiggle room in that and we draw, you know, we sketch it over the top and we draw a lot on those drawings um, and then we leave them there until we've got finished town planning and uh, put in our structure and we know pretty well that that um, uh, is going to be um, the, the intention of those hand-drawn Um, interiors is going to come through really well into that uh, documentation stage but we don't actually usually bring too much into the computer now that said that's sort of for your laundries your bathrooms your robes that sort of thing um where we've got interiors um which we would consider like the architectural interiors where you've got an island bench or you know really complicated fireplace and you know uh, we're doing place with a hanging study that's suspended from the ceiling uh you know that sort of stuff is really critical and uh you know you can't really literally leave that one to, to a hand-drawn um, elevation, but in so far as that sort of bulk joinery work, um, we tend to, we just, we're just using the, the tool on hand that we think at the time will get the job done the most efficiently for us. And mm. um, that can be anything.
0: But do you go back and redraw those joinery elevations once you're starting on the documentation package in layout? So
1: we we've, we're experimenting with two methods at the moment. We have um, uh, Karina who's doing that three uh, D joinery documentation, so using um, SketchUp and layout, and then Andrea is a bit more old school who uses AutoCAD, and we're just comparing the results over a sort of a long running experiment.
0: Right. And what about you, Kate?
2: Um, it's quite funny, but the Projects that we are the most proud of uh, interior design-wise um, were ones that I have d- either done for myself or we've recently done one in, in Ballarat in Mix Home Turf <laughs> for my mum. Goddamn toes. <laughs> for your mum. <laughs> Kennedy Nolan's down there as well. You're getting, you know, infiltrated.
1: Oh, you ain't cool unless you go to Melbourne. <laughs> That's
2: <right. laughs> uh, uh, um, so we've done some, I mean, it's interesting, that one of the most valuable things we have is that my partner, Maddie, has been on site for the projects we've done for ourselves. Mm. And so our, our, it's like kind of like the Glenn Merkitt method of having like a two-page drawing. So I'm sure it's a bit more than that. But he has an A3-page drawing, a A3 3 size drawing set. It's lean and mean. He works with the same builders all the time. They know his details inside and out. And it's actually a personal approach to documentation. And I've found that when we've done those projects, They've worked out amazingly because I can just drop in decide on my way to work. And they're quite person, relationship heavy, but you couldn't go to tender doing it. You know, you couldn't do it for a client. It's, mm. um, but it does point out to me that um, what we're trying to do is put ourselves as architects into the page. So we're trying to take what is a $2 million or whatever, very expensive building, and boil it down into a couple of pieces of A4, A1 or whatever paper. And so the process of reduction is trying to get our essence of our of of what we want in and in the information systems into the drawing. And I've found that one of my skill sets as an architect is actually to be that thing, that conduit. But that is obviously a really difficult um, thing to translate into drawing efficiency. But I've then one of the reasons why we kicked off New Resident is because what we need to provide for clients is you know, 10 times more than what we would need. The lean and mean set that we provide for our own jobs is so much more simple and we can actually do twice as many, 10 times as many projects using the lean and mean method because, um, you know, we don't have to explain everything to the client. We don't have to explain everything to the builder.
1: Yeah. Um, that is the basis of a contract. Effectively, you know, you, you you we document in order so that the client has a reliable fixed price contract with. So,
2: the so they're protected, so that we're protected, so that everyone's protected.
1: Everybody. So we're effectively preparing a legal document in yeah. drawing form.
2: Yeah, that's
0: right. And it's funny you use that terminology because I'm sure you guys have had the chance at various points to look at documentation from like the 70s mm. and
2: yeah.
0: how an architect designed house in the 60s and the 70s by, like, big names who are, you know, renowned for being the design leaders of their generation yep. and an entire house is documented in 6A3 drawings.
1: Mm. Yeah, and Everest drawings for Heidi too, um are available online. Yeah. Not
0: much. So simple. And um, I think part of that is um, regulatory.
1: Australia.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I think. But we
0: are making it more fussy for ourselves.
2: Um. Sometimes it's frustrating to have to pull this massive set together um, for external contractors. Like, you know, Mm. for example, we're doing a steel package. I reckon we've had all these meetings with the steel contractor, which have been really great because then it feeds back to the engineer who didn't, you know, there's a whole bunch of different. So we've gone all the way from the engineer to documentation, to the builder, to the subcontractor, who's then said, oh, some of these things are really expensive and we can do it way easier if we do X, Y, Z, and then all the way back to, this is after it's, it's on site now. And so then it goes back to the engineer, back to us, back to the builder, back to the, you know, it's just like this process from straight to site is, is really fast. Sorry, I'm pointing at my own face and then, and then to thin air next to me, but like from architect (laughs) to contractor really quickly um, is sometimes really nice. Um, But it is too, it is risky and that's the balance.
0: So the
1: economics of all of this is really interesting to me as well. Like I, I mean, if I was keeping time sheets, I'm sure I would know that <laughs> in, in documentation. I, I think that, uh, this is probably a universal thing. Um, but what interesting, the, this sort of ties in with value based um, pricing, and. I think that a lot of people price documentation, they give it, you know, 40% or 50% of their um, architectural service fee because so much work is done. You know, there's a lot of hours in there, but I'm curious as to you guys too, uh, as to what you think about the percentage of value that, that, that the documentation stage provides in the process and whether or not um, that's what we're bringing to the table.
2: I think it's the, is it Gresham's law thing again? Like I feel like the Gresham's Law is most evident in this part of the process. it's so
0: cool that you just mentioned that law. I have I been using that super law. I
2: I've done it so many times since you mentioned it. In fact, every time I do a talk, I bring it up. Because <laughs> it is, it explains perfectly what the problem is. We're doing all these secret things behind the scenes that our clients don't know or value mm. in order to protect them, us and everybody in the building process and to create a contract. Uh, and it just seems like it's getting more and more and more and more all the time.
1: Can somebody give me a precise definition of Gresham's law?
0: Good money, uh, sorry, bad money pushes out good. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, so, I can Google it too. What does it mean?
2: It Go basically on, means um, if your if your building is um, has a thousand things in it that are necessary and awesome. Um, And your clients can only see 300 of those things because that's all they have visibility over as, you know, um, not experts as lay people. Thank you. Um, Then they're only valuing 300 out of the thousand. And so you've either got to like the volume builders just cut all that stuff out until they meet the market's expectations. And that's why buildings suck. Or architectural is, you know, (laughs) trying to educate people that we do all this stuff.
1: Yeah, and there is a value to it, even if you don't. There is
2: a value to it, even if you don't understand it, which we just, it's sort of, that in itself is an enormous task that's really hard. And so the documentation is the, one of the biggest, like where that part of things is the most evident.
0: Mm. Look, I know we, Erica and I, struggle particularly me, actually, Erica's better at this than I am, struggle to know how to stop, Mm. like when to say, you know what, we don't need to resolve that. We can resolve it on site. In fact, it's better to resolve it on site and when not to. Um, But I do, as a general rule, I think I adhere to the idea that um, the documentation phase is a time to resolve every detail within the building as best as you possibly can. And the construction phase is the time to build those details. And then, if you're resolving lots and lots on the fly, which I know is like the way a lot of people do it, particularly like architect builder guys, like they, you know, that transition is much murkier as you yourself have like experienced, Kate, with your own yeah. projects.
2: I'd assume DNC contractors are like that as well.
0: Yeah. You know, they just say, what are we going to do here? I don't know. Um, but we want to we want to think in a space of, like a safe space, you know, in front of our computer screens, where we can talk through the details. Mm. And a, an example of that that's occurred recently where has been where we we had this we've had this datum line that's been running around a building where we've transitioned materials. It's on site at the moment, um, and we and it was happening at ceiling height, basically, sort of both inside and out. And something happened on site that meant we had to change this detail. And it has been incredibly hard to nut out the same set of details, which I remember was quite tricky for us to resolve in the first place because there was kind of six or seven different versions of this one detail. And now that we're on site, we're trying to do it on the fly and it's actually become much, much harder because we're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, this is not the time or the space for us to sit down and just spend a couple of days Mm. drawing sketches and nutting through it in a way where we're not getting the client just looking over our shoulder going, what's going on here? Is this a variation? I don't Mm. understand. And similarly, the bills are going, well, if you do that, it's going to cost more. Mm. So I, I am an advocate for the idea of thinking first, you know, measuring twice, cutting once. Yep. Which I think good documentation allows you to do.
2: Um, Can I just say quickly from a financial perspective that we have recently, um, so we we actually got a whole bunch of quotes for our new resident renders that we recently did and they were coming in at some, like the cheapest ones were $1,000 an image and then the most expensive quote we had was $5,000 an image. Yep. Um, And so when we're talking about, you know, um, documenting for profitability, one of the biggest things that Revit has given us is the ability to build in quite a nice amount of detail and then we're plugging we're plugging into Enscape, um, and we have absolutely loved that. Like we've produced what I would pay top dollar for as renders. And this is Nikita, who's the powerhouse at Whispering Smith, a graduate. She's all over it like a rash. Um, and I think probably in those six images that we've produced, it's somewhere between six and thirty five thousand dollars worth of saved, you know, saved money. Because there's no like, all right, we will t- let's take some f- time out of that because it did take time to learn the program and do develop the renders. But overall, if we keep doing that and putting using them as marketing and doing all kinds of things, that I think is what's going to outweigh for us um, the time that we've invested in switching over.
0: Yeah. So you can create value out of the process. We've done a yeah. similar thing, which I'm not quite sure how much clients actually value, but one of our things that we tell clients is, is and this is based on, you know, us going back and checking, is, is that, we have incredibly fastidious documentation and one of the benefits of that are fewer variations on site. Yep. And so it becomes a so marketing tool for us. Yep. Yeah,
2: it's a measurable outcome of spending more time and money on it, which I think is exactly what we need to be able to communicate the Gresham's Law thing of yep. why, why we bother. do the documentation and why it costs as much as it does. Hmm. I think
0: it's probably maybe on that note we should wrap yep. up. Um, I reckon we could probably spend another two hours talking about this, and maybe we'll come back to the topic again. I'm so connected
1: and inter- yep. completely with um, bigger these bigger conversations about profitability. You know why why we all divide up our time into stages, the value we put against those stages. You know whether or not beam modeling is documentation. You know mm. it, it, it's um, there's there's a rich uh, stream of stuff here for in detail where we take behind the scenes creative business.
0: Um, and it's particularly up my alley. My interest, as you guys know, is sort of about the tech world and entrepreneurship and the workflow management that those guys do, yeah. is involves a great deal of interrogation of how things get produced. Mm. And this is, and in maybe in a way, architecture is going through a bit of a renaissance where we're going, wait a minute, we've produced projects not just drawings but projects in a very specific way for many 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 years as you said before Mick sketch design design development documentation like that's kind of the three main steps and I know in our studio and as we have again talked about before we are chopping and changing that quite deliberately to see if we can find efficiencies in the way we produce our work with the express not because we're like sick of the old way but because we want a new way to be more efficient because the old way has been inefficient for us in lots of different Parts. Um, I think it's really positive.
2: Really, well, yeah. We started. We started a business because we felt you know we could do documentation without doing it. Really saves yeah. us an absolute fortune. So there's you know that's looking at looking at profitability and looking at all of these things is what helps you get to that point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Cool. Well, one take, Mahaley Would you uh, be interested in doing our
0: uh, sign off for uh, episode four? I would. Um, and now I'm probably going to muff it <laughs> after that Please, little intro. That would
2: be impossible. Um, haha.
0: Um, so, you have um, been listening to, um, in detail, um, the I'm pretty sure the internet's favorite podcast um, that takes you behind the scenes of yeah. creative business. Yeah. Yep. Empirically. Yeah. Um, based on a survey yep. of our listeners. Three co hosts. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> We're fielding uh, offers from all the major podcasting networks.
0: I know. I know there'll be a buyout. There'll be the yep. HubSpot or Spotify are going to buy us. Buy, yep. Um, you can find our archive of um, shows at www.indetail.show. You can connect with us on Twitter at indetailshow, no dot in there. Um, you can listen to us, which is probably what most of you will be doing, um, and anywhere that you get your um, favourite podcasts, um, which is basically Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, music by the gorgeous Sean Gorman. Um, I thought
1: going to drop it for that one.
0: No, I think you he's drop gonna it. Get, he's going to get weird about it. Like We don't nah, know him. He won't listen. He will yeah. <laughs> I think. I think you draw the that right now. The, the when you're talking to him in first person. Oh right,
1: is he sort of like the Queen?
0: Yeah, you don't say hello, the Queen. Hello, <laughs> the. hello, Queen. <laughs> you say hello, Queen. I'm pretty sure that's right.
2: <laughs> um, I'll, I'll email her and ask and confirm for yeah. next.
1: Yeah. Well, or um, we can uh, just email Sean. Her Highness is our guest next week, which is nice. <laughs> Good we segment. should shoot
0: for that. We should totally shoot for that. Exactly. Um, uh, and uh, do we have any sponsors for this show, Warwick? Um, we do. Um, we ha- are supported very generously by um, Stringtime awesome. and Team, who yeah. look after us and allow us um, to sound engineer um, and promote this um, show. Um, and we are looking forward to um, coming back with Episode 5
2: very shortly. See you then, folks. Hey guys.